Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. Okay. Hey, this is Jonathan Goldhill, and welcome to the Disruptive Successor Show, a podcast for and about family businesses, scaling businesses, and entrepreneurs who are disrupting the status quo. And with me today, I have Emily Morgan from Delegate Solutions out of the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. And so welcome to the show today, Emily. So excited to be here. Congrats on your new book. Thank you very much. So Emily, um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, a little bit about your business, uh, how you got into this business. Let's start with there. So um, my company is 13 years old and the company is called Delegate Solutions and we provide premium virtual assistant services specifically to entrepreneurs. Um, so everything that we have created is really designed to work the way entrepreneurs work, um, which is usually absorbing so much of what needs to get done every day themselves and helping them figure out what and how to delegate those things off their plate successfully, and then providing a team to help execute on, on getting those things done each day. So interesting. When, why did you pick entrepreneurs? Why do you feel like they're a good niche for your services? I, I know we met through the Entrepreneurs Organization, so uh, I know you're pretty heavily involved in some of the same coaching organizations and entrepreneurial groups, but um, do they have needs that are um, like unique or or um, more unique to your type of service? I think what why we like working with entrepreneurs is that they inspire us, particularly me. Um, and there's so much more of an impact that they can make when they have more time to make the impact. Because really the only limiting factor that entrepreneurs face is around time, having enough time to do the things that they want to do. So we choose to work with them because... It, you know, it's inspirational work for us. Gotcha. And so tell me, what are some of the services that you offer these entrepreneurs and, and, and how do you work with them? Yeah, we work um, in typically monthly retainers. So we sell time for money, essentially, and we work to help them figure out what to delegate, how to delegate, put the plan together to keep the delegation flowing month over month. Um, we have two team members that support each of our clients so that you're working not just with someone getting the to-dos done, but someone who's proactively like thinking about what's upcoming, what processes we can put in place. Um, let's say you have a big event coming up in the next couple of weeks. We help you put together from an administrative standpoint, different things to be prepared, to be, be more more proactive instead of reacting to whatever's coming up on your calendar. So do you find that you get resistance from entrepreneurs because they say, you know, I'm, I'm so busy that I'm, I'm too busy to try and explain to you how I want to get it done. And I'm very, they don't tell you this in part maybe, but I'm very particular about how I want to get it done. And that's why I'm a an entrepreneur. I'm a bit of a control freak. Um, 
And so I don't have time to tell you how to do what I want you to do. Do you, you know, is this a common issue? And if so, how do you address it? Oh gosh, we hear, we hear this stuff all the time. And I could say people that are at that phase of it probably aren't ready yet to work with us because in order to, to really use a service like this, you have to have reached that point where it's just not even an option anymore. Um, and you know, you're working 80 hours a week, your family never sees you, you're never able to take Fridays off like you've been trying to do for a year. Um, that's who we're, we typically are working with. Um, a lot of the times, you know, they're not disorganized, they're not lacking process, they're just lacking time. Um, and they just need to know that when they hand something off, it's going to be done to their specification and done when it's, when they say it's going to be done. Gotcha. So I have to say, I think you and I are of like mindset here, um, which is that getting people to delegate is a, a, like a super important management and leadership skill that, uh, both can be learned and needs to be constantly developed. And that if I had to pick one single tool from my tool books, um, they are helping individuals to delegate and reduce their workload. And that I've used a number of tools in this area. I'll just share a few. So for many years, I used something called the vital few and, and trivial many. It's based on the 80-20 principle. But then there's also one that's just the same, almost it's basically called a fun skills matrix. Um, I know you're familiar with the unique abilities exercise that Dan Sullivan talks about. Um, EOS has their delegate and elevate. Um, gazelles or, and scaling up have love and loathe. So tell us about your uh, tool, what you use, and why this is an important part of your work with a client. Yeah, I mean, to our earlier point, I think the number one reason that entrepreneurs don't delegate is that they don't know where to start and they're scared, um, which is interesting because entrepreneurs are pretty fearless, but they're scared that letting something go is going to create even more problems for them, right? For an, a multitude of reasons. But when we work with clients, you know, before we even bring someone on as a client, we offer something called our freedom analysis which is similar to unique ability slash uh, unique ability like assessment and delegate and elevate EOS tool. But basically we talk about what are the things that they're working on um, across the week, reflecting and starting to put those into quadrants and the two lower quadrants being things that you're, you really don't like to do and you're really not good at and kind of starting with those as low hanging fruit so our, our position is low-hanging fruit, repeatables. What are the things you're doing in the business that are repeating and recurring, starting to put process to get those off your plate? And then most importantly, we do goals-focused delegation strategies. So we want to understand what it is that um, you're trying to accomplish this quarter, this year, and then we pull the delegation out um, backwards from those goals. So let's say you wanna grow your sales 25% over the next two quarters. We'll say something like, well, what needs to happen for you to get that done? And then you'll start rattling off all the things you know you need to do. Guaranteed within that list of things, there's at least half that you don't need to particularly be doing, specifically doing. 
So we kind of pull those off and that way we make sure that we're not just reacting to the low hanging fruit. We're not just reacting on the task level, but we're thinking more strategically about where you're trying to go ultimately and how delegation is gonna help you get there faster. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And so it sounds like there's a fair amount of coaching around their mindset that you have to do. And um, because, you know, there's a lot of little tasks that someone might not want to delegate. So for instance, and, and a friend of mine, he has this exercise and he calls it like wearing the green collar, the white collar, the blue collar and the dog collar. And the dog collar is that low value you know, but low frequency kind of stuff. And, and the example that he gave is, well, it's like walking the dog, you know, I mean, are you going to really bring a pet sitter in twice a day for 15 minutes when, Hey, you could probably use the exercise anyway, take your dog for a walk, but more appropriate to a business an, um, analogy is like, do you really want to give out the password and information to the place where you're depositing physical checks? So you end up doing the bank run. Um, and I, so I wonder how many entrepreneurs have a bunch of those little type of things that they don't want to give out and give away. So they, they're, they're hoarders <laughs> and they take on these dog collar type tasks and you have to kind of get them into a mindset that like, you need to let these things go so that you can work on the real white collar type stuff yeah, and green and collar. It's not, it's not just our service. So administrative, right? Like it's, all parts of the business. So I do a lot of work helping people with outsourcing, like how to think about it, what to consider. We actually have a webinar coming up in a couple of weeks around outsourcing and how to think about that. Um, but so much of what we do is personal. Um, we'll do a lot of personal tasks for people. I know for myself, some of the things that I let go quickly was how to, how to do with accounting for the business. So all the invoicing and all of that, I let that go in like year two. <laughs> it was like the very first thing. Um, you know, I have a housekeeper, I have a trainer, like all the different parts of your life that one, I don't enjoy cleaning a house. So there's that, but there's lots of different things that you can delegate beyond just the business that will help give you that extra capacity. So let's talk about something that is very timely right now is um, I'd like to find out what are some of the biggest challenges that you've observed during COVID-19 and I'll, and I'll, I'll cue you up with what I believe is one. Uh, I just read this from the editor of a business journal, local business journal here where he complained that he's still going into the office. He didn't complain, actually. He likes going into the office. He's been working in his office for a co during the whole pandemic. But because but he, he said um, a lot of older people like his age are less technologically inclined and are struggling with some of the basics of working from home. And so their tech support person becomes their seven-year-old or their 11-year-old who's really good at this stuff. Um, are you seeing that kind of stuff? And, and what maybe are some of the big challenges that you're seeing during COVID-19? Um, well, I can share about us um, on this one, but I, we've always worked remotely with clients. So there's not, like we've been remote for 13 years, but my team is largely comprised of mothers and my clients are small business owners. So those first three months were 
highly traumatic, I think, across the business, very scary times. Um, and my team continues to be impacted and it's actually forcing us to look at who we're hiring because like, this is not going away for a while. And moms are so impacted, myself included, <laughs> with school and how kids are dealing with that. And it's just really shrinking the capacity of the team member to be able to contribute. So that's been a big change for us to deal with. So it sounds like you're growing and expanding and hiring new people because people don't have their full uh, schedule available to them, maybe because they're young moms. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's always who we had hired. Um, moms have been like probably the largest demographic of our hiring pool mm. and it, what we do works really well with the schedule that they're trying to achieve. Um, but it has changed. Like we've had team members that had to have leave the company because they just can't, their kid isn't going back to school anytime soon. So it's not even just that period of time. It's just, this is a long game that we're playing at this point. And what is our overall hiring strategy? Cause that's really where we felt we've recouped the business. We're booming. We're doing fine on that side, but ultimately our talent pool potentially needs to change as we go through this. Further. Okay. So I've been working with uh, virtual assistants um, going back to 2004. And interestingly enough, the person that I hired was someone who was local. And that was because if I wanted them to do a mailing, I could drop off the, the envelopes and the stationery and supplies or the books. And of course, all that could have been mailed. But what are the most commonly asked for or utilized services at a place like your organization? Yeah, um, the big ones are always scheduling. So calendaring, whether we're setting up Calendly and, and letting that kind of run on its own, or we're doing hand scheduling, we're doing a mixture of both. Um, but where we're different is that we're not just going to do the back and forth. We're going to anticipate what's coming up in the weeks ahead. We're going to do time blocking on people's calendars, which is you have a presentation on Friday. You need a time block to work on these specific things. Do you need me to research for you in preparation for that time block? So it's like a more of a conversation than like a task, right? Right. Um, and of course, inbox is probably number two people want to get out of their inbox there it's running their lives and they don't see the value in it so they use us to come in and clean it up start to put some strategy together and start to basically provide to do's um, coming out of the inbox so rather than like a million emails you have to respond to it's filtered and you're left with like these are the three things that you need to know that happened in your inbox today these are your to-dos. I put them in your to-do software or I put them on a time block for you for next Tuesday when you know it's due or something like that. Okay, and so one of the tools that I've been using with clients um, or recommending, because I've been using it for years, is a sane, is SaneBox, which filters my email newsletters from my direct emails. Um, but it's strictly an AI, you know, it's a robotic tool. How does your personalized filtering work first of all how do you access people's emails um is that ever a concern for them and then how do you 
you know, what is the process? How does that work exactly? How can that ca uh, help people gain some time back? Sure. Well, the hardest part with email delegation is that we're all addicted to email. So step one is to say that out loud and make a commitment to try and resolve that <laughs> for sure. Right. Right. Um, step two is stop having internal communication happening in your inbox and really just allow it to work for external communication only. Like we use um, Slack internally. We use a sauna we coach clients like, hey, if you're going to talk to us about a task, don't send an email with like 16 different task related points in there. Let's talk about each task within the task in Asana, for example. Gotcha. Um, from there, I've, um, you know, we, we developed the strategy. So we can certainly integrate with AI um, in regards to your question about passwords. We use LastPass. We encourage clients to put their logins in a tool like LastPass um, to protect yourself. But we'll come in there and in addition to cleaning it up and, and filtering through, it's really about identifying the tasks within the soft, the email, figuring out which of those tasks we can do. So if it's a scheduling thing, forwarding it on your behalf to us to handle the schedule or responding with a link to your Calendly. So just trying to find like some smartness within the existing inbox and then build on that. Okay. And so I'm making a presumption that because you're younger, a staff of younger moms that your clients are entrepreneurs and younger, maybe millennials under the age of 40, many of them, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but what's your experience on the different needs of baby boomers versus millennials? Just two very different age mindsets with regard to technology. What? Yeah, we, I'm looking at our VTO on our target market list. Um, we don't have an age. Typically we're working with people who are like 35 to 70, I would say, sort of like who we typically work with. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say that we're actually working for a lot of millennials. Um, they're probably Gen Xers like me, honestly. Okay. <laughs> a bit older. Um, but I think, on, you know, being willing to let technology work for you is a big part of what makes clients successful when they work with us at any age group and being comfortable with meeting on Zoom with um, working on Slack, like all these different tools that we use to streamline how we support somebody. And I would also guess, um, and I, I have a client who's a lot older, who I'm friendly with, and he's, he always had an in-office assistant in his office, and it was a big change for him to move to virtual. But he absolutely loves it, and he's been a client for a number of years. So I think it's just embracing that there's a different way to think about how to get support is probably the best advice I could give. On that gotcha. Awesome. Um, so we talk a lot in my business and I'm sure in yours about the value of playbooks and having a playbook. Uh, so we, you just referred to VTO for our listeners. That's vision traction organizer that comes out of the EOS, which stands for entrepreneurial operating system and their book Traction, uh, which has a playbook. 
And you can see on the, my bookshelf that is prominently featured as well on yours. And I also have the Scaling Up book, which is a playbook for, I think, uh, arguably larger middle market uh, teams that are scaling faster. And then I put my book together. It's a playbook, Disruptive Successor, for family businesses that are in the lower middle market and are trying to scale up. So do you have a playbook for um, your business that is something that your clients adhere to and, and that you find is like a way to uh, onboard them, get, you know, teach them a process and how you do things? Because I think if you're not familiar with how to work with a VA, um, then you probably aren't using all the services that you know they could avail themselves. So tell us a little bit about how that works in your business. Well, to your last point, I think there's so many different kinds of virtual assistants and you know, they all solve different problems. So understanding what problem you're trying to solve is step one to figuring out the who of, of who that needs to be. So there's perfectly fine VAs that are really just there to do task level work for you. And then there's others that are more sophisticated like what we do. So it really just depends what, what you need. Um, but to answer the playbook question, um, yes, we built a sales playbook last quarter, which we actually didn't have before. So that's done. Um, and we've taken that and distilled parts of it down to the team so that they understand more clearly what it is that we're selling, who we're selling to, what are you? what our uniques are, um, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then your last question was around. Like onboarding. And so that's, that's this, is that part of the sales playbook? Not part of the sales playbook, but we also have our EOS master, you know, company process documents that is being completed this year. Right. Um, and we have, when clients come in to work with us, one, we don't just have like a sign up on the website. So we do a discovery call. We have a lot of conversation with our clients before we work together. Um, but coming into the company, we ask them to sign off on a client commitment around what we know needs to be true for the relationship to work. So it's things like um, attending the weekly calls. We know that if, if the client starts missing the calls, the service can break down. Um, because that's like our time to really sync on what's happening. And given that we're virtual, it's our only opportunity. Um, we ask clients to commit to give feedback so that if something's not working, speak up, let's talk about it and figure it out and not let it fester. And then we also ask um, to trust the process because we've been doing this for 13 years. We have built it to run a certain way that we know works and we need that trust from the people we're working with to execute on the way that we've built it. Okay, good. All right. So last couple of questions. Um, what's an ideal client for you? What do they look like? Where are they located? Entrepreneurs, uh, typically doing over a million in revenue, two to 50 employees, North America. We like to work with respectful, nice people who value team and collaboration. They're goal-driven, solution-oriented thinkers and doers, and they respect systems as a way to grow on scale quickly. Fantastic. And how can people get a hold of you? Sure. 
So um, our website is delegatesolutions.com. And we talked earlier about the freedom analysis. We offer that complimentary. So if you're someone who doesn't really know what to delegate or where to start, that's a great um, live exercise that we'll do um, with anyone who needs that. Okay. So email, phone number, anything, uh, or just go right to the Delegate Solutions website. Just the website is perfect. Perfect. Okay. Emily, thank you very much for being a guest on my show. Uh, this is a new show, and this is about and for family and scaling up businesses. So this is Jonathan Goldhill with the Disruptive Successor Show. And thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.